0: As we come to Glory to Glory, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Today, Pastor Joe Pettick will be teaching from the book of James, chapter 1. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. And You could be seated. If you could please
1: turn with me to James, chapter 1, verse 21, as we continue through the Word of God. We're going to be looking at a title called The Word, speaking of the Word of God. You know, when I received the Lord in my life, the Lord touched my life in in such a a wonderful way. Immediately, I had a desire for the Word of God. That was something that took place instantly. I desired God's Word. I wanted to read the Word of God. It was so important to me. But it wasn't that I just wanted to read the Word. I, I realized that, you know, the Word of God demands action. And you should know that this morning, if you don't know that already. We're to apply these things that we read. Really, we're, we're to go to the word of God and allow it to change us. Allow it to speak to us. Allow it to conform us. So we're going to be looking at that this morning here in James. James is so good. He's a practical guy. I love it. So let's, uh, let's look. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 21. And he says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Wow. We've been looking at James, the author of this book, is believed to be the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And as we've been looking at these last few weeks, you know, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he appeared personally to James. Personally. We find that in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 7. A personal visitation. And I just, every time I think of that, it just blows my mind. And I bet there was many tears. As they hugged each other, and he was hugging him. He was like, I, I didn't know. Now I believe. You are the Lord. You are the Christ. And again, you know, have you met with Jesus? Have you met the risen Lord? James did. These are his writings. He met the risen Lord. Not only was he a believer, but he was a ruler in the church. The ruler, the head in Jerusalem. He was the head guy as we read through the book of Acts. Acts. His life was so radically changed. He, all he wanted to do was seek the Lord, teach the word. He was just so on fire for the Lord. And again, you know, just to, as a reminder, they called him old camel knees because he prayed so much. He'd be found in the temple six to eight to ten hours a day in the temple, just praying to the Lord, seeking the Lord. Amazing. And he's been writing to us about trials, temptation. The goodness of God, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. He touched on how we are special to him. We're like the first fruits. And and because of that, as believers, we're to demonstrate his goodness. We're to be slow to speak. We're to be quick to listen. We're not to be angry. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And on and on and on. And now we read that because he's good, we're to put away evil. Because God is good, we're to lay aside these things, this this wickedness. Lay aside all filthiness. Because God is good. He's done so much. He's died on the cross. He's alive. We're to, 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 you know, put those things aside. Put away. That, That word lay aside means put off or put away or even separate yourself from it. That word filthiness literally means dirt or filth. It speaks about those things that make us defiled. Interesting, that word also, filthiness, is in the medical sense, it it speaks of having much wax in your ears, can't hear right. That's what sin can do. It can make you deaf from hearing the word of God. James is saying to you today, lay it aside. Put it away. Put that filthiness away, whatever it is. This overflowing of wickedness. This was an interesting word when I read this. I don't want to skip over this. It, It speaks of residue Or something that remains, and and really it's talking about like something that remains from your life before you were a Christian, a life before Christ. Isn't that, you know, an overflowing of wickedness, a residue, kind of like, check this out, you know, in the world, whatever you were stuck to, whatever you were bound to, be it whatever, gossiping or pornography or drugs or alcohol, and it's like you walk away, you become born again, but then there's some residue still on you. And you kind of dabble in it a little bit. Let's say it's pornography. Just dabbling in it just a little bit. And it's an overflowing. It flowed over from your old life and it flowed onto your new life and it's sticking to you. And James is saying, don't do that. Put it aside. Separate yourself from that. Now's the time to wake up. Just the, the other day, I was sent an email from my bank. It's called a bank alert. So I went online and looked at the real amount, you know, to see, you know, to, where am I? And I'm like, it was down to like $35 and some cents. And I'm like, this is my checking account. And I'm like, oh, I thought I've got to get some money in the bank. So we went to the ATM. It was way after five o'clock, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, no. And then we have an overdraft on our account. And I'm thinking, I don't like when that happens because they pounce you if you go into overdraft. You know, it's like, oh, $80 charge for $100. I'm not that bad, but it's pretty bad, you know. So I'm, like, not doing too good. Day off, I'm thinking, oh, this is great, you know. So we scramble. We get to the ATM machine. I put the deposit in, and I'm kind of bummed. And it was so great. My wife, it was nice having a wife, you know. She goes, she goes, did you see that sign next to the ATM up there, that big sign? I says, no, what does it say? And I look, and it says something like, you know, transactions done before 8 p.m. Before 8 p.m., they'll be, in most cases, will be posted the same day. And I look at my receipt. It was 7.58. <laughs> Really, I looked at my watch first, it was 8 o'clock, and I was like, oh no, and I looked at the receipt, 7.58, and I thought, what a good alert, I like that, you know, I just made it. You know what, I believe the same thing, you know, there, there's alerts that go on, there's a wake-up calls, and I believe that's what James is doing here, it's a, it's a wake-up call. Did you notice it says, lay aside all of this stuff, all of it, it doesn't say, lay aside 90% of it, lay aside of it, he's saying, lay aside all of it. Lord, help us and receive with meekness the implanted word. That word meekness is a teachable heart. Have a teacher. That's why, you know, I prayed like I did this morning. Is Lord, cleanse us, forgive us, wash us, purify us, forgive us. We we repent because, you know, that's having a meek heart, having your heart teachable, ready. Not just sitting here, you know, looking at your watch. Okay, uh, uh, okay, what time is it? You know, let's get the word over with. Come on. You know, we got the breakfast. What time is it? You know, that's not a teachable heart. A teachable heart is when you're sitting there and just like, yes, Lord. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. What do you have to say? This is the living word of God. This is the true word of God that's implanted in our hearts. You're like, Lord, plant it deep inside of me. I want to hear. What do you have to say? What is your word? It's not how how great I package it up here for you and make it sound all pretty. No, this is the living word of God. and It's implanted right into your heart, the word itself. And having that meekness. That humility, that that gentleness, not not resisting and disputing, not thinking, oh, well, you know, disputing with the word, but truly taking it as it is, the very word of God, and saying, Lord, here I am, implanted inside of my heart. Change my life. Make those changes. I like this. Separate yourself from the world and saturate yourself with the word. Separate yourself from the world and saturate yourself with the word. Saturate yourself with the word of God. It's implanted. I love that word. It speaks of just like, you know, putting seed into the soil. You're planting it there to expect fruit. And that's what we're doing today. We're just implanting, expecting fruit. God, there's going to be fruit. I'm, I'm putting your word in my heart today. There's going to be fruit. It makes me think of my father-in-law before he died. He was 82 years old, Daniel, there in Scotland. We went out there to visit him, and three and a half weeks, or excuse me, three weeks before he died, he prayed to receive the Lord. Radical change. If I've ever seen a conversion, it was Daniel, my father-in-law that I'll see one day in heaven. At 82 years old, his eyes were like flashlights shining so bright from across the room. It was just like two flashlights were shining right in our face. That's how bright this man's eyes were three weeks before he went to be with Jesus. And his swallowing action shut down. He wasn't able to eat. He wasn't able to drink. He was on a feeding tube. And we tried to, you know, find things. So what do you want us to do? Do you want to watch TV? No. So I started reading him the word and that's all he wanted. Hours on end, day and night. Read to me. Read to me. Read me the word. And I'd read the word for hours and he'd fall asleep. So I'd try to sneak out. I've told this story before. I tried to sneak out to go to the bathroom, you know. It's like, you know, I got to go, you know. And I'd open up the door. I'd hear the click of the door and he'd say, Joe, read to me. I just wanted to tell the nurse, can we get two bedpans, please? <laughs> <laughs> That's all he wanted. I mean, I wanted to cheat a little bit. And said, you know, you're going to die. They, I knew he was going to die, so he was like, well, can we give you something to eat? Maybe just something a little bit. And he couldn't eat, you know, but I, I mean, I just he was like, no. And I go, what can I do, Dad? What can I do for you? He goes, read to me. Read me the word. Read it to me. If you've known Kathleen and I, At all, You know, I never want to be separated from her, never. We're together so often. We have such a wonderful marriage. Thank you, Jesus. All glory to God. That's about the only time I can think of, or one of the very, very, very few times I was willing to be separated from her to sit there and read the word of God to this man. That's all he wanted was the word of God. But he wasn't just a hearer of the word. He was a doer of the word. I read him, John the Baptist, and the next thing you know, the next day, he goes, Baptist, baptized, baptize me. He heard the word, and he wanted to apply it. John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan. He was baptizing people in the water, and he's like, baptize me. And I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm thinking, okay. He's laying in bed. He's he's stricken to the bed. And I'm thinking, how is the best way to give him that effect of full submerging? I want that So I took a big thing of water and just poured it over his head. So it was like this, you know. I wanted him to get that that full immersion the best I could. I couldn't emerge him in the water, so I emerged the water in him. You know, I just did my best. The implanted word. And as we're going to see, being a doer of the word. 1 Peter 2.1 says, Therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, therefore lay aside all malice, therefore lay aside all deceit, therefore lay aside all hypocrisy, therefore lay aside all envy, therefore lay aside all evil speaking. As newborn babes, what are we to desire? The very word of God, just his word, the word, which is able to save your soul. The word of God is able to save your soul. If you're here today, and I, I want to make this clear, you might say, oh, I said a prayer one day, or I made a commitment to Jesus Christ back in 1948 or 1976 or 19, whatever it is. But if you don't really desire the word of God, and God's word is not you know, something that's an excitement to you, I'd say check your salvation, because we're born again by the word of God. You've been born again, 1 Peter 1.23, not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And it's the word of God that should excite you and transform you. You're born again by the word of God. But day by day, you're renewed by the Holy Spirit, but also by the word of God. I heard a story about Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher from the 1800s. When he was young, he was only 22 years old. He was asked to speak at an event at a place called Crystal Palace. The place seated like... Some 20,000 people, and there was no mics back then. So he went there early to to project his voice, to hear his voice. And he stood there up on the stage, and he he kept quoting, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he kept just quoting and projecting his voice. Well, he didn't know there was a worker in the building. And the worker was, you know, in another room, and he kept hearing this voice. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And the story goes, at that point, he heard the word of God. He received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. By hearing the word of God, which is able to save your soul. Let's not forget the power of this word, which is able to save your soul, my soul. It's his word. But be doers of the word, back in our text, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. As I told you, my my father-in-law, you know, he became a doer of the word. And we can deceive ourselves, thinking that, oh, because I go to the Bible study, then everything's just fine. Because I go to Sunday morning service, I sit there, I listen to the word, everything's fine. But it says you're deceiving yourself if you're just hearing the word, if it's if it's not, if you're not applying it. I did that growing up. I would go to church, but it never changed me. I'd go, it's almost like I might as well had a punch card in my hand, because they're just like ching, punch in, okay, let's sit down. But I lived the way I wanted to live. Don't be deceived. Take an honest look at yourself. Take an honest look and say, is the word changing me? Am I just marking my Bible, my word? Or is the Bible marking me? Is there really changes taking place in my life? Am I applying those things? And I have to do that. As I was doing this, this is for me too. I'm doing this. I'm like, Lord, I'm so convicted. I want to do more, Lord. I want to see And it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not born again here, you don't have the power of the Spirit, you might as well give it up because you you need to be born again first because you're going to wear yourself out trying to do God's Word. But it's a delight when you have His Holy Spirit. I love this. Someone once wrote, It's easier to preach than to practice. It's easier to say than to do. Most sermons are heard by the many, but taken to heart by the few. For if anyone's a hearer of the Word... And not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Why do we go look at a mirror? (laughs) To examine ourselves. to, To look if there's anything that needs to be changed. Now, what do we do? We, we make the change. We, we look in there and say, oh, man. Some of us just say, I guess there's not much I could do, but this is what I got, you know. But, but we make the change. If your hair's out of place, you got something dark on, you know, black mark on your face. This happened yesterday. Was, we went to Wahoos, and I had uh, whatever. I had something to eat there, and black beans were, you know, part of the dish and all and I'm smiling away, and Kathleen says, Joe, your, your tooth. You know, I have a big old black spot there in my tooth. But what did I do? She said, you know, we're in the car driving. She says, Joe, you're, you know, something in your tooth. What did I do? I look in the mirror. And that's what James is saying, you know. When you observe your face like in a natural, what do you do? You make changes. When you, when you look into the perfect law of liberty, this mirror right here, it's cutting. It's, it's, it's like, whoa, really? And, and we have to make a choice. Is this true? Is this real? And if it is, then I better make the change. Some people would rather just break the mirror and give it up. And some people do that with this. Just forget the Bible. I don't like what I see. Forget the Bible. And that's why so many people have come against the word of God, to disprove this word, to say, it's not real. It's old. There's so many different translations or whatever. It just, it's not real. You can't believe it. You can't trust it. And they, they push it off. Because once you believe this is the word of God, you have to make a change. And James is saying, make the change. Don't just observe yourself and walk away. Make the change. Don't you like that word in verse 25? The perfect law of liberty. You think that law and liberty, they don't go together too well. Law and liberty. and Why does James call it the word of God? The perfect law of liberty. I believe because when you obey the word of God, it sets you free and it gives you liberty. Isn't that wonderful? It sets you free. It gives you liberty when you obey it when you apply it, then you're like, wow, God says that's wrong. That's, that's sin. Okay. I like it. I enjoy it. I do it all the time. But I'm going to choose to do it God's way. And God, you say it's sin and it's wrong. Okay. I'm going to obey. I'm, I'm going to turn from that. And all of a sudden you experience liberty. I'm not connected to that anymore doesn't hold on to me like it used to. I, I'm not governed, but I don't bow down to it. I don't, I don't serve it. I don't have that hold on it anymore. I've been set free. There's a blessing attached when we're doers of the word. That word blessed, it means a profound inner joy and satisfaction. And that's what happens when we're, when we're obedient and we follow the ways of the word. Don't miss that. Verse 26, last two verses. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless pure and undefiled religion before god the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world this word religion is like being outwardly spiritual and you're you know you're doing certain religious uh, rituals you know maybe lighting candles and, you know going to church and reverently and just walking to church like this You know, whatever. You know, just some kind of. You know, you've got this outward religion. You think I'm religious. You hear people all the time. I'm very spiritual. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Char, yeah, spiritual. But then out of their mouth proceeds all kinds of vileness. They're not able to bridle their tongue. They're not able to tame their tongue. And and James is saying that's that's evidence that you're not changed. And you meet people like that, and out of their mouth, out of you know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So when they can't bridle their tongue, and then foulness is coming out, backbiting is coming out, garbage is spewing out of their mouth, and James is saying your religion's useless. You can do all light all the candles you want. You can walk any way you want. You can you know act reverent. You can say you're very spiritual. But there needs to be a change. True religion is when you care about others. Others less fortunate. There's gonna be such a change by the, the power of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna care about those that are widows, you're gonna care about the orphans. You're gonna have a heart like Jesus. When Jesus walked this earth, he went to the one with the, the biggest need. He gravitated. Did you ever notice that? You know, the, the man with you know the lame hand or whatever. He just he just went to that person. He he, he gravitated to them. And that's how you'll be. We're not called to be pew potatoes. Just sit here and just, you know, we're to put hands and feet on our theology. on our theology. We're to, we're to be doers. You have true religion. You have a true change of heart. You're going to care about those. I remember when I was in the nursing home ministry and all, that, the very first time I went to uh, Beverly Manor there in Westminster, and we went around different rooms, you know, meeting different people, and it was just such a blessing sharing the gospel as the Lord led us, and with less, sharing the gospel with everybody. I mean, that was good. It was good. With This one lady we met, Maria, I'll never forget her. I asked her how she was doing, and she was, you know, Italian. And she said, I'm doing marvelous. And I says, great. And I go, how about spiritually? She goes, I said my rosaries 10 times today. I said, it's okay, that's great. I says, but what about Jesus? I said, saying our rosaries is not going to get us to heaven. Jesus gets us to heaven. I said, have you accepted Jesus? Do you know if you were to die where you're going to go? And she goes, well, I'd hope I'd go to heaven. And I said, do you want to know that you'll go to heaven, Maria? She said, yeah. And we prayed for her to receive Christ. Shortly after that, I think the second time I went back, they told me that Maria went to be with the Lord. Or she died, but I know where she went. There's such a need. True religion, undefiled religion before God, or when you visit those that are widows, those in trouble. Benjamin Franklin said, God helps those that help themselves. It's not in the Bible. That's Benjamin Franklin. But God says, I help those that help others. The word of God. Jeremiah 23, 28, we're closing in this. It's the Lord speaking about spiritual experiences versus the word of God. You don't want to miss this. And the Lord speaking says, the prophet has a dream. He said, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Then he compares, this is so awesome. He compares the spiritual experience, the dream is chaff, and the word of God is wheat. He said, what is the chaff to the wheat? In other words, the spiritual experience is just like chaff. Chaff is the outside of the wheat that just, you know, you you smash it in your hands, and the chaff just breaks away, and it blows in the wind. It's gone. That's the chaff. That's the spiritual experience, the dream he's comparing it to. But the wheat, the the word, he says, that's the meat right there, the word of God. And check it out. Verse 29. Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? He's saying, okay, they're having dreams. They're false. Those are false dreams. They're not hearing from me as you go on to read this. They're not hearing. They're saying they're hearing from me. They're saying that I'm a prophet, thus saith the Lord. He says, they're having spiritual experiences, but that has nothing to do with me. Those that have the word, it's like a hammer. It's like fire. Listen to the word of God. You'll never go wrong. That blows my mind. I love those two verses. It goes on. We don't have time to go through the whole thing. I'm not saying dreams aren't good. God still uses dreams. The Bible talks about dreams. But when it comes between the difference of spiritual things, that someone says, thus saith the Lord through a dream, make sure you check it out through the word of God. It'll line up with the word of God if it's from the Lord. But the word of God, and again, the word is like fire, and it's like a hammer that breaks in pieces. You'll never go wrong when you stay in the word, the word of God. Let's pray. Hallelujah.
0: sound of our it's the sound of our in you have been listening to glory to glory with pastor Joe Pettig and outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor if you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ call now at 714-788-8221 that's 714-788-82 2-1. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to his throne of mercy as he changes us from glory to glory. It's Throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing, it's the sound of our.